is Ronaldo. Oh, my goodness. You don't save those. Out of this world. Messi. 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 From the international stage to right here at home, this is FUVFC, talking all things soccer on WFUV Sports. Hello, hello, hello. This is FUVFC, the one and the only, as far as I'm concerned, Soccer podcast here via WFUV Sports. We are pleased to be with you as always. Another exciting week behind us and another exciting week ahead of us. It's Olympic time. It's Gold Cup time. It's almost domestic league time. Can you even believe that? There's so much going on, so much to get to, so much to unpack. Uh, and we're going to try and do as best we can today. Hi, everybody. My name is Dylan Balsamo, along with my friends Keenan Troy and Danny Perry. I'll start with you, Keenan. How is it going? Good, Dylan. Yeah, getting into that uh, knockout stage for the Gold Cup, so it'll be interesting to see what this young roster does. Um, we'll get into that a little bit later, and then the Olympics starting for both men and women's international teams. So a lot of soccer still going on, and then, as you said, a lot of domestic leagues are starting their preseason, too, this week and in the upcoming week. So, yeah, soccer keeps moving, and so do we. Always keeps moving, just like the dreaded thing of time, certainly. We'll talk more about the Gold Cup and particularly the U.S. men in just a little bit. I want to bring in our friend also, Danny Perry, because, Danny, there is a lot to discuss today. There is. Keenan mentioned the Olympics started, and I think the U.S. team forgot they started when uh, they had to play Sweden. I, I don't know how to unpack trash, but we're going to talk about it today for sure. I always say it's a good day when we talk about soccer, but I don't know about today. I personally would rather unpack recycling. That seems a little cleaner, but that is just me. So let's sum up specifically what has gone on the Olympics so far. Obviously, as, as you might have gathered from watching previous Olympic tournaments and Olympic games as they proceed for the two weeks, the U.S. soccer tournament, not the U.S. soccer tournament, the soccer tournament in general for both the men and the women began before the Olympic ceremony started. They usually begin like two or three days before as softball and baseball typically do as well. So the U.S. women played their first match against Sweden on July the 21st. That is Wednesday. We're recording this on Friday, mid-afternoon. And the U.S. dropped that game 3-0 in what might be the most shocking thing I ever woke up at 4.30 in the morning for. I can't disagree with you there. I was up. I was ready with my coffee, 4.30 in the morning. They're going to they're gonna do well. But then again, I was thinking about what I've said on past episodes, and I, and I always am a little nervous when I see the U.S. enter a big tournament because they don't verse competition leading up to it. They verse the 30th-ranked team, and they win by four. And I, I'm here ranting why I'm not excited about them winning by four. Well, they should win by 10. Sweden beat them, the U.S. team, by three. It was a devastating loss at 4.30 in the morning. 
Dylan, it was, it was just so unlike the U.S., even so with my opinions that I didn't think that this was a, the strongest way to go into the tournament. I felt like when I was watching, it was as if they switched jerseys and Sweden was playing the U- United States game and the United States was Sweden. I don't know, man. Possibly so, but I will say there was no one on that U.S. team that looked like their last name was Hertig or Blackton Souser, however you're supposed to say these Swedish names. Blackstenius. Right? Is, is that what it is? Blackstenius, yes. She, oh. you know, she had two in the in the game. And just to unpack how I saw the game, I didn't like the formation going in. Vlatko with a 4-3-3. If he did his research on Sweden's new coach, he would have known that Sweden's coach doesn't want to just be that defensive, let's sit back and let's tie the top teams. No, they're a top team. They're a top five team. And they are coming off a tie from the U.S. So this new coach for Sweden was like, we're going to concentrate offensively. So he had his offense going too. And we had three forwards up. Well, what happens when you have three United States forwards that doesn't want to come back? Crystal Dunn gets overloaded, has two men, doesn't know, two women, I'm sorry, (laughs) doesn't know whether to go inside or take the one outside. And then we're stuck in the, I would say it was the 25th minute. Yeah, 25th minute that Maxenius scores on a near post header. I I thought the the marking was also horrific inside that inside that actual play because Becky Sauerbrunn was there. She gave her space and, and she watches the ball go by her. A defender that we've seen, we just saw the Euros happen. We just saw the Copa happen. These players would be diving and heading it out of their own, you know, on the at the end, end line. Becky Sauerbrunn lets it watch, lets the ball go, watches it, near post, goal. That's how it started. And it seemed like after that, they were just getting trampled. I, I kept saying to myself, it looks like the United States have logs in their legs as if they just landed right now. It's 4.30 in New York time when they're playing, but they were there long enough. So I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that it was too hot. What do you do? It's 88 degrees. That's why we're professionals. They gave you a water break. I, I, I just, Dylan, I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm really angry. I'm really upset. That frustration, I think, is is uh, very valid at, at this point. And what I find so strange, and I, I would like your opinion on this, and also Juan Keen's opinion on this, uh, but, like, so as you kind of alluded to, it's like it's it's very difficult to try and figure out, like, what exactly the, the problem was here. You know, we, we, we've talked extensively on this very podcast about this roster coming into the Olympics, how how well-formed it was, how it was a large pool of, of women to choose from. And, and I, I would argue they, cho- they, they chose the best 23. Uh, it just, it did, it did not make any sense. It was, it was a difficulty to try and figure out uh, from a tactile standpoint, from a tactical standpoint, I should say rather, or really just from a, from a physical standpoint, what exactly, what exactly is the difference between this match for the U S and, and their greatest of, of, of victories over the last five, six years. They looked like they didn't have an urgency. I yeah. hate to say, but they just looked like up here we are, you know, we're going to win. I think there's something to say about no fans in the stands for the United States women's team specifically. They love the thrill, the show, the rapino, the arms out, the cup of tea for Morgan. They're missing that. And I don't care if they're not going to say it. I'm going to say it. They're missing that. From a tactical standpoint, I didn't like the formation, but go, you need to adjust. You realize Crystal Dunn is overloaded. The midfielders, if you're going to play with the 4-3-3, 
first of all, you're, obviously your outside midfielder has to mark, but also the outside forwards, you're not just a forward in that situation then. You're also coming back and helping, but they weren't. I didn't see Mewis helping out Dunn, who's the midfielder on our side. I barely saw Haran in the picture. You didn't see them in the picture until you were already in the final third of the United States defensive side. That's an issue right there. So if I'm Blacko, I'm the coach, I'm saying I'm dropping a forward because they're clearly not playing the system right, making it a 4-4-2 then. Keenan, what do you have to say, man? Yeah, I think Danny, at least in, I, unlike you guys, I was not up at 4.30. <laughs> perhaps it was lackadaisical on my point, just saying, okay, I wake up with a 2-1 win, catch the highlights before heading off to work. But yeah, I, watching the highlights, I think lackadaisical is probably the perfect term to describe it. I think 44 games in a row for the women's national team unbeaten. I think at some point that becomes something you're conscious of, similar to like a no hitter in baseball. If you know you go on a big winning streak in baseball, even if you're nobody's talking about it or you know it's not getting a lot of attention because it's on pace to be the new record, I think it's still something conscious in the mind. And I think. Danny, you are absolutely correct when looking at this game against Sweden that happened this past week, and then we look back into April when they drew one-to-one. I think that Sweden was able to make adjustments um, and make adjustments in the way that they they were never going to sit in this game. And I think they saw the United States as potentially weakened for whatever reason that would be. Maybe it's because it's the first game of a tournament. Um, it's the first time this 23 is all really playing together for something besides a friendly, besides people getting reps in. And I think Sweden looked at this and opportunity and said, okay, let's take it to them in the first half. And they did. And then I don't think the United States was potent enough going forward in the second half. And there was a couple chances where, you know, you probably can't, did press hit the post, I think, on a... We had two to three post hits. And I always say, as a player, if you hit the post once, it always seems like it's one of those games. But no, yeah, we hit the post. Yeah, so I think, you know, not capitalizing on opportunities. But I I think going forward, though, so obviously the bells are kind of ringing within the United States Women's National Team camp. And I will say the most positive thing from this or the positive you can take out of it is that this group of women is so experienced. And as we talked about last week is such a family with one another that we know this result isn't going to hold over well with among them. You know, that there's probably the veteran leaders kind of, you know, holding themselves accountable and holding the whole team accountable. And even, you know, this is a new coach, but he's probably holding them accountable and they're holding him accountable for what they didn't see. So they've got to tilt against New Zealand tomorrow, which I, you would hope that they rebound well. And then they play Australia, who's a fairly decent women's side. So I think that's going to be the real pressure cooker game. I think tomorrow with New Zealand, you'll see them playing with a lot more energy, probably playing on a lot more emotion. But when they play Australia, I think that emotion is going to be t- taken down a bit because, say, they win in a big way against New Zealand. They're kind of playing back how they would normally play. I think that Australia game is going to be really interesting to see how this team proceeds further in this tournament if they continue to make it past the group stage and also going into the future. So, yeah, I think that lack of days is probably the best term to say it. And it's going to be an interesting week and a half going forward for the women in Tokyo. Certainly lackadaisical, as you put it, uh, verbally keen is, is definitely what Danny was getting. At, and I agree with the two of you there. So to, to sum things up, I would say the bad news is this was a really embarrassing loss. And you can ask this team too. They felt the same way. Megan Rapino was this, as, as outspoken as she is about anything, was outspoken um, about how 
she felt about the way this lawsuit. You want me to say it? <laughs> Go ahead. We got our asses kicked. And, but, but Dylan, I have, I have a question there. Is that the, and, and Keenan, please, obviously too. But did we play like trash or did they really just play better than us? Or was it a combination? Cause I'm having an issue wondering, is this the team that we do have? And this is just what happens when we verse a good team or did we play bad? And they also just happened to play a good game. Like, how do you not forget that that's the team that knocked you out of the 2016 games and, and embarrassed you? Like I'm, if I'm a player, I'm going into that game. That's almost like, that's my match right there. Like you're, you're versing the, the, the team that knocked you out and embarrassed you last time. And now nobody's going to ever remember that because this is the most embarrassing thing that ever happened. And especially that we've spoken about how many veterans are returning. So how many people on that team that were there that should have remembered that. And it just seems like that, again, that urgency or that, that desire and heart to win and, and come back wasn't there. I will say this. How do you, how do you rebound? Well, maybe Carly Lloyd knows best because in 2008, when in the Beijing Olympics and the U S lost their open opener to Norway, they went back and they won gold. So that is the only way that I think nobody will remember this game. The U S really does now have to be that number one team that everyone thinks that they are, that they clearly think that they are. And show us and show me, please prove to me and everybody else that we're wrong if I'm being too hard on you, because I don't know. But Carly Lloyd, I said this to you last time, Dylan Keenan, I don't know if you heard it because you had to go. But I believe Carly Lloyd is going to be the leader of this team for so many reasons, besides how many years she's been with them. But now her family's back in the picture and there's a whole beautiful story with that. I want to see how she rebounds. You know, Megan Rapinoe was put in in the second half. I didn't like her defensive marking, but she did start to create outside play for the United States. I want to see a different formation going into next game. I want to see urgency, and I want to see who's going to step up. Which leader is it going to be? Do we have too many? And also, Ertz wasn't ready, in my opinion. You put her in in a difficult situation, coming off of an injury, not in a 90-minute game. We spoke about putting her on the roster, thinking after the group stage she'll go in. He puts her in in an impossible situation. If I'm her, I'm not going to build confidence from that. So again, I think Vladko needs to look at his team, realize how many weapons he has, because he has a million of them, and he needs to go with that. And, and switch during the game. If something happens, you have to change your tactics. They're professionals because they can adjust. Yeah, um, nothing more to say besides that, Danny. I think you summed up not only what me and Dylan are probably thinking, but what a lot of soccer fans across the country are thinking. But going back to the Rapino comment about getting your asses kicked, I think, or I think if that's friendly, because it's a direct quote, but getting our explicit, quote, if, we're, uh, if we're going to be more PG on the podcast. But I was going to say, I think credit to Sweden. I think that, you know, maybe you didn't play the best game possible for the women, um, but yeah, it's not like, you know, you're, this is the men losing to Trinidad and it's, you know, you losing a game that you should be winning this game. You tied the same side back in April and they bounced you from Rio, I guess, five years ago now. So yeah, you got your asses kicked, but also it's not like you have to play with the urgency that you're playing against a good team. It's not like, you know, you're fighting a, it's not like Ali's fighting a featherweight and losing on decision. You're going up against, 
you know, Joe Frazier. So you got to fight the team that's in front of you and you can't let the reputation precede itself. So yeah, very interesting going forward for Vlaco and the company. It won't be interesting if they lose tomorrow. It's done. They, they now they have to they have to win the next two games. I will say though, there's hope in me. I have my shirt on. I'm not scared to show it. I'm still rooting for them. I'm not a hater. I'm just I have so much faith in them that they should just do better. And that's you know when you're at the top, the only place to go is down. And sadly, that's where they went. So maybe they got their loss out of the way, and now it's it's just mission focused. Let's do this thing from from here on out. Uh, so just to sum things up here, first off, I don't know how we're going to, um, I, I think we're allowed to say the, the A word, um, but otherwise we'll, we'll believe it. I'll, <clears throat> I'll talk to our sports director, I'll Alex. Talk to Alex now. Um, uh, here's uh, just summing things up here before we move on. As I mentioned earlier, the bad news is this was an embarrassing loss. That's something we've talked about. The good news is, well, uh, for one thing, there's still two games left to play. There's lots of good news, I think. I'm, I'm, a very, I'm a very positive-minded person. Uh, for one thing, there's still two games left to play. Uh, they're not out of this group by any means. This tournament also has two of the three third-place teams also going to the knockout phase. So there's still, there's still plenty of opportunity. What is also good news is something that we have mentioned is the fact that – oh, Danny's bringing something up to uh, our screen now. They're missing her right now. They're missing the headers. I just wanted to say that. Abby Wombat. Abby Wombat, yeah. I, I think Danny forgot for a second that we are in a, an audio podcast. I'll screenshot it. <laughs> okay. So, and, and a lot of the good news is something that we have talked about for the last few minutes here is that the, the issue here did not seem to be something besides uh, any feels about, about Julie Ertz. The, the, the problem does not seem to be about the product on the field. The, the it seems to be other factors you know Sw- sweden's a good squad but i think we can all agree the u.s at their best is a much better team you know you, you can be affected by by travel and you can be affected by fans not being there i think specifically fans not being there is, is having a pretty big effect on this because say what you want about soccer culture here in the united states and however small it is or whatever the fans that show up to u.s matches nationally man do they have an effect on that squad mm-hmm. anywhere in the world so um, I think that's a, I think that's really hurting them at this point. Um, but the good news is, as I mentioned, that's something that you can overcome a product on the field. If that was your, if that was your issue, a, a deficiency in talent on the squad, that would be a much bigger problem, but that's not what the U S is facing here. And they have two games left to figure that out. They got New Zealand, uh, Saturday morning. Hopefully you'll be able to hear this before that match gets on. Uh, and then they will wrap up the group stage against Australia on what I believe is Tuesday, july the 27th if i'm not mistaken i believe that's a tuesday and that will also be early in the morn but uh we hope you wake up for that but let's move on he's keenan you know you haven't got to say much and we're, we're going to come to you here because we're going to talk about the u.s men's national team and just the Concacaf in general right now because the gold cup knockout phase is about to begin this weekend it starts saturday i believe yeah we got two matches coming up on Saturday, those are Qatar and El Salvador, and then Mexico and Honduras, each of those being played in Glendale in Arizona, home of the Arizona Cardinals, I believe is where they're playing. I do not remember the name of that of that stadium in particular, but uh, but Keenan, really what we're zoning in on here is the U.S. because they had a they had a back and forth in terms of success kind of group stage, and now they really got to push forward. Yeah, so I think we recorded last week before they took on Martinique, and 
you know, when you're playing a, a smaller, less, uh, you know, a smaller country, you're probably going to win when you're a bigger threatening country. So I would say that everyone was kind of expecting a win six, one really good way to start the gold cup. I expressed concerns last week about how to, how this young group would kind of perform just because it doesn't have the big names that we're used to seeing at least of late in the United States shirt. And then we go on and we pull two one Oh wins. We beat Haiti and Canada each by one to nothing. Um, that Haiti game was a little more scrappy than, you know, probably what would have benefited the United States. I think Burr has a very consistent system going through this young team. I don't know if I like it yet, but it still seems to be the one that he's trying to replicate with what I would say the first team is, which is kind of possession based in the midfield and then having pace your guys out back. And then that Canada game, I think that was going to be the real test for the United States in the group. And it kind of was against a, um, Canada just because Canada is an up and coming country. Um, we know that their soccer program has had fun, has funding and that they're willing to allocate money towards that, just their youth development we've seen up there um, and our neighbors to the north. So, yeah, I think that finishing top of the group, it's very t- difficult to complain. And I'm not going to complain just because I don't want to, you know, find a reason to be upset. But I think now the script is completely flipped and the board is a race when you go into the knockouts because on one side of the bracket, you've got Mexico and on the other side of the bracket, you've got United States. So it's seemingly that, you know, any soccer player or soccer fan who kind of loosely follows the sport says, okay, well, these two countries are probably going to meet in the CONCACAF Gold Cup final, but I don't think it's going to be as easy as United States would hope. I think that on Sunday they play Jamaica and Jamaica has been a very impressive squad if you've been following the gold cup, I think, what was it? 2016 when they played the gold cup, the United States met them in the final and had it not been for Andre Blake fracturing his wrist in extra time, uh, the Jamaican goalkeeper, I honestly think Jamaica would have taken that final just because I didn't think the United States looked good then. But I think that Jamaican team is still young. I think that, you know, if you look at the Jamaican internationals on that roster, a lot of them play higher level soccer, maybe not in Europe as much, but they do play in like the MLS, which a lot of this U.S. roster is from in the Mexican league and then some of the Spanish leagues as well. So I think that this Jamaican team is, if you're a loose soccer fan, you say, oh, Jamaica. Okay, I went there on vacation five years ago, but they're not good at soccer. But I think this is going to be a real testing ground for Greg Berhalter because, yes, the win against Canada is, I won't say impressive because the United States is a better soccer better soccer team than them even you know their b side versus the canadian a side you expect the united states to win that but no one in that group was really a in my personal opinion a pressure test for the united states and for greg berhalter lining up this roster so now going against jamaica who at least in my opinion has something more to offer on the table than the teams that the united states played in the group i think this is where in my opinion greg berhalter's legacy if there is a legacy at this point or his future is decided with the United States. I think if you're the United States uh, soccer federation, okay, you missed the Olympics. The only thing you can play for is I guess CONCACAF nations league, but I'm not going to speak negatively on that, but it is a joke because it's not, has nowhere near the stakes that the European nations league has or the, you know, depth. You miss the world cup in 20, uh, 2018. You got one next year that you haven't qualified for. 
why wouldn't you use the gold cup as an opportunity to get your best 11 ready for all that qualifying that we failed to qualify at four in 2018? Why wouldn't you set a precedent now that this is the team we're going to run out for the next year through the world's cup and we are going to kill everyone in our path or we're going to die trying. I don't know why that precedent wasn't established. That's why I was so upset with the players he chose for this team, but all that's in the past. But right now, if Burl Halter's team can get through Jamaica, say they get through El Salvador, who I think is going to beat Cutter, and then face Mexico or Honduras or whoever comes from that other side, if they do all that, I think Greg Halter's job is safe. If they don't, though, if I was in charge or if I had any say in the U.S. Soccer Federation, which I can leave my number in the link in the description if any of them want to reach out and call me, <laughs> junior uh, help, you need to get rid of him because there's no – excusable way why you cannot line up your best players to go and set yourselves up for a strong Olympic qualifying because it had if, at least for me as a soccer fan and understanding that soccer is not big in the United States soccer is only big in the United States when the men's national team is competing well at an international level if you flash back to 2014 that World Cup the amount of buzz that was around that team I was too younger to, too young to remember 2010 all that well but I'm sure when Donovan scores that late winner against Algeria I'm sure kids my age now were absolutely losing it so knowing that a lot of the soccer's future is based on the international success of our national team, I just don't see why you don't line up a strong lineup for this Gold Cup. So I think it's going to be super interesting against Jamaica, not only the product on the field, but all the stipulations off the field and what that will entail for the future of this team going forward. I don't disagree there. And just to go back really quick, what we saw against Martinique was five different goal scorers for six goals. And I, and I think that's his goal being accomplished right there is – you know, if I was co the coach and I saw all those different players scoring and showing me that I don't have to just rely on one person and look at all these different people and players scoring, I think that is a positive to look at. But then you go to Canada and we only have six shots, one on net, 20 seconds in goal. There's an issue there. There's a, there's an issue there. So when you verse a team that is not an island or a a, a democratic branch of France you know, you're running into an issue with Jamaica. We've beat them the last few times the U S has, and I do expect the United States to beat them, but I do think it's going to be a little different. I'm hoping for at least two goals scored. And that after this tournament, as you said, that he, that the coach can settle down and, and pick a team to run with because you can't mess around once these qualifiers come, we can't be experimenting and that, that will be his downfall if that's what he tries to do. This is it. This is your run. Find your players. Make your team. You said it best. Um, I don't know if, you know, die with it, run with it, whatever you said. But that's that's the truth right there. Yeah, and I think – I know that it's so easy to dwell on the past. And my grievances with United States soccer go back as far as I've been supporting soccer. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, say Burl Hall – say even if they win the Gold Cup which would be great and it'd be a big confidence boost to a lot of guys who may not be getting first team reps. I think additionally, you have to look at the way you win games. Like Danny said, the game against Canada, you have one shot on target and six shots total and then an early goal and really you don't push anything else. So I think, you know, yes, it's a good to get the result and that's always first, but I also think it's equally important to say what what's the style of soccer we want to play forward? How do we want to conduct ourselves? Cause it's not like it's a one Oh win, you know, win against, you know, an Argentina in which we dominated possession and, you know, we're moving forward. Well, parts of that Canada game, 
were, you know, I could see why somebody who doesn't like soccer that much would turn it off because it was just boring because there was no combination through the midfield. There was like spells of possession here and there, but, but other than that, it was just like getting into each other's top of the 18 and getting turned away. Mm -hmm. So going back to the past, I think, you know, say you look at this tournament and you don't see what you like from Burl Halter. I think it's time you go, uh, you brought in Jurgen Klinsmann once, and I think he had that United States team for 2014 playing some of the best soccer, at least to the ability that some of those players could play. I think it might be time that the United States branches out, find somebody abroad and brings them in to try and, you know, slow things down and conduct a team that plays structured soccer, no matter who their opponent is. Mm -hmm. It's funny that you bring up Jurgen Klinsmann Keenan, because like what I was about to say was, it feels like this United States team has lacked any kind of consistency in any level of the way that they play since 2014, really in the post Jurgen Klinsmann era, you know, specifically, you know, in that sense, they haven't been able to really hold down a quality head coach for a good period of time and find a good way of playing there. Um, they haven't been able to keep a really consistent national roster like most of like most national powerhouses are able to. And now they were, they were not helped by the fact that goal, the Gold Cup's a little bit later this year. They weren't able to use most of the best players. They're already getting ready for domestic league seasons in Europe, and they had to really use mostly an MLS all-star roster. And there's nothing wrong with that, but that's just when you lack that consistency, and it, it's just it just makes it very difficult to compete, especially at a time when the U.S. is just is it, just like really really griping for things that five or six years ago, we would not have been having this much of a nervous conversation about. Mm -hmm. So th that is my worry personally with uh, the U.S. men's national team right now as they enter the quarterfinals and the first round of the knockout phase here in the Gold Cup here. Again, just to recap, the United States will be playing Jamaica on Sunday. That's at 9.30 in Arlington, Texas. Also on Sunday will be Costa Rica and Canada. And I guess uh, earlier, of course, uh, Guitar in El Salvador and then Mexico and Honduras. Those are both on Saturday. The final will be on Sunday, August the 1st. And, you know, as we mentioned, Mexico and the United States are on opposite sides of this bracket. So they would potentially and hypothetically meet in that final. I'll ask you first, Keenan, and then you, Danny, just to wrap things up here, because we do have to go soon. Mm -hmm. um, does the U.S. win this tournament? No, simply no. I don't think the talent's there. I don't think, as Dylan, you were saying, the consistency there. I don't think, you know, they. I don't think they've played enough with each other. And that goes back to the consistency in the starting 11. A lot of these guys, I think Greg Berhalter has given, I mean, not just this squad. I know there's some guys giving their first international caps um, this tournament, but I think Greg Berhalter has given over 60 uh, American players their first international cap, which is great if, you know, you're not trying to win anything and you're just a charity for people to put it on their resume. Um, but I think that inconsistency is going to come to get them in the ass. Oh, sorry. I don't know if we're going to, if that's going to be allowed or not, hopefully Rapino we'll gets, gets through and this one can slip in there too. But yeah, I think it's going to come back to bite them. And you know what, if we thought Danny was his, a little bit hysterical after this women's national team loss. I kind of hope they lose to Jamaica because I want Greg Berhalter flown, just fly him out into the Caribbean and just give him five, give him like $3 million. There's your severance and just stay away from soccer forever. Cause I think the only way we see change happen realistically with the United States men's national program, at least for now is for an utter collapse. Like we had against Trinidad. And I mean, we didn't really do anything against that, but I think, 
I don't think they win this tournament. Even if they make it to the final, I think Mexico gets out from that other side. And I think Mexico consistently has the United States number, even though in the CONCACAF final, the United States won. That game was ugly. And I don't, that was the United States best 11 that they could put out there. And it was still an ugly win that required some uh, goalkeeping heroics. So I think with a week or 11, I think Mexico still gets it done, but I don't even know if the United States is going to make it out. Let's say they win. How are you going to feel about Bur- I can't say his name, that coach. Berhalter? Yeah. I think if they win, I think. Is he right by doing everything that he takes well, an NFL like- all-star team and beat, you know, obviously not the top <laughs> international teams, but he beats them in a, in a cup without his star players. So that's my question for you. Are you going to get off his butt? No, I don't. I think because at least because I think, well, it has no, I mean, if then great for Greg Burhalter for doing so and, you know, assembling an 11 or 22 or however many he had, 24, I think it is, that could go out and win a cup final, even though it's a lesser cup. Good for him. But I think my, my, I will always hate Greg Burhalter. I don't care if he wins the World Cup because I think he is a product of a failed United States men's national team program that does not know how to address talent, does not how to grow domestic talent, and that ultimately does not know how to put out a consistent style of soccer that doesn't appeal to, you know, the American fan base. How long has he been head coach now? He is, he took over in 2017 after we lost to Trinidad. So that was Bruce Arena's last game. He got fired and Burhalter took over. But to be fair, because of the pandemic, let's just say he's only been head coach for two years and isn't part of building though. Uh, I think I said this to you last time. It, it is a, about trying new players. And that's why I said before, give him this cup. But if he doesn't do anything after, then I could see the caboots. But if, if he wins this, how can we not say he's onto something here? Like he spent his time building a team and then maybe he will run with it. But it's hard for me to think that a head coach just comes in and then in a year and then in a pandemic and then in one more year, they were expected to have it all together when the U.S. just sucks at soccer at at the end of the day for men. And he's trying to pick from leftover athletes that didn't make the football team. Can I can I give something here so just we can make sure we wrap things up here, because I think what's important to get at here and this is kind of what we were talking about earlier with consistency is that. you, you, you can see this team winning the Gold Cup in some kind of scenario because you look at the individual players you have on the field, it's not that they're particularly bad. You know, you know what I mean? It's, they just have not been able to play together as a squad for long enough to build good enough strategy, good enough tactics, all these things. And, you know, and that just comes from the fact that there's so many players moving around. You're trying to give so many guys their first cap as a national player. And, and you know, the, the, the head coaching job is – kind of up in the air every six months it feels in 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 the u.s it feels like that job is in jeopardy whoever is holding it whether it be bruce arena or or uh, or or the current holder of it but you know i think this just comes with consistency so th- th- these guys are, are talented enough that they can make a run of some kind but when that consistency isn't there it's just not going to happen and the u.s has never addressed that in their program and that and that's what they're not able to do danny i see you have your hand up well, if you want to speak about consistency, we have on the other side of the table, the women's team who have been together since basically they've been birthed and they lost three nothing to Sweden. So yeah, consistency is a big deal, but at the end of the day, they should all know how to play soccer. They should be able to play out. Like they, they practice together, right? I, I, I'm agreeing with you two, both of you two, with it, like, you know, to an extent, but yeah. then to my own point is you can't build if you don't try new things. You know, we don't want to stay stuck in the same place. Maybe he's doing that. Maybe he's not. I think after this cup is when we would have more of a determination of what's going on with his position, with the team, all that stuff. 
we need to get out of this and go into our qualifiers to see what he does. And then we could say, yo, man, you got to leave. Understood. Final thoughts here, Keenan. I was just going to say between, you know, what you'd think I'd be positive about the group stage, but stuff to be positive with this team. And then, you know, tough loss for the women's national team. Let's just hope next week we're all in a little bit better of moods, but if you want to see me explode and if the listeners really want to check their headphone volume, hopefully the United States doesn't get out before next week's episode, or it's not going to be a fun listen. I want to see what happens to your hair when you explode. Does it flow up? Like what happens? I don't know. I might shave. I'll, I'll shave it in protest. All righty. I'm going to hold you to that. He might just physically combust. <laughs> but to sum things up here, it seems like if, if the women are able to pull things out of this, it would be a uh, understandable sigh of relief of this was just some kind of freak accident, it feels. But if the men are somehow able to pull out the gold cup, it might be a rose, rose-colored glasses sigh of relief of not understanding what might be a bigger problem. But that just seems to be the way to wrap things up here. That is FUVFC. He's Keenan Troy. She's Danny Perry. I'm Dylan Balsamo. FUVFC, as always, is a production of WFUV Sports. Go enjoy soccer this week, whether it be the Olympics or the Gold Cup or anything else you might like to watch. And we'll come back here and we'll talk about it next week. Stay safe and see you soon.